Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 40. I am Kyle Gold. I am Cam Hirosaki. And we're here to talk to you about writing of a furry nature and answer your questions and maybe slip in the occasional blowjob reference. <laughs> slip it right in there without well, warning. As opposed to stuff it right in there. <laughs> I've flustered you already. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not I'm, I'm not that flustered yet. You're going to have to work a little harder on it. Well, you know me. I don't mind that kind of work. <laughs> I, I did start to listen to Unsheath Presents number four earlier today. And my flusterment is indeed epic. It is not only epic, it's just downright adorable. Thank you. <laughs> I think. Um, we're pleased to be, you know, we've actually kind of, we've actually done more than 40 episodes because we've done four stories and an unofficial anthropodcast and right. stuff. But, um, but we'll save the, we'll save the milestone podcast for number 50, I think. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do, but it's a milestone. Yeah, we'll do something. That's probably a little too late to make that one our live show, but... Yeah, probably. Ten weeks from now, that's almost... so. Two and a half, summer will be over, really. Two and a half months, so that's kind of... August? Mid-August. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll throw a couple other things in there, and we'll do a show at Rain First or something. Throw a shrimp on the barbie. Uh, or maybe we could do something in mid-August. Who knows? But anyway, we'll think about that. If uh, any of our readers out there have suggestions for what we should do for our 50th show, send them in. We're always glad to hear it. If the suggestion is to do anything remotely like Unsheath Presents number four, the answer is no. Send send those emails directly to Kyle. (laughs) We'll see what we can do. I'm going to drink my delicious port. And I'm going to give a quick little shout out. Uh, a sports shout-out. The um, basketball and hockey playoffs are going on right now. There's a couple unexpected teams going far in both of them. Um, Boston on the basketball side. And on the hockey side, our beloved local San Jose Sharks have once again fallen earlier in the playoffs than their seed warranted. Uh, fallen to the number but two But further team. than they usually make it. This is true. Um, so we're hoping to avenge their loss, and we are officially thrown unsheathed behind the number seven seed Philadelphia Flyers, who had to win a shootout just to get into the playoffs on the last game of the season, who engineered a remarkable three uh, comeback from 0-3 down against the Boston Bruins, and uh, who took care of business in their other series. And uh, so... We're officially back in Philadelphia against the evil nation of Chicago. <laughs> Say, like, wait a minute. Do, do, do we hate Chicago as a, as a city or just... Hey, they wouldn't... You know, we had, to, we had to start our own furry con to have a recording there. That's true. I was thinking that our, little, our very own fall furry meet. Yeah. We may have to do that again next year, this year. We will see how it goes. Um, Rain First, by the way, has actually been in touch with us, and uh, it looks like we'll 
be doing some panels there, and they're very open to the idea of doing a live unsheathed. So it looks like we will be doing a podcast at Rainforest. So yep. get your tickets for Seattle, September 20... Um, it's rainforest.org, org, And they've got the correct dates up there. They put on a good con, and they have a pretty nice bar. You shouldn't trust me, because I once booked plane tickets for the a convention for the wrong weekend, so... They have Rain City Punch. It's really good. Yes, which was actually the inspiration for the drink that starts out my second story about you, the one with the yes, dingo. Yes, it does. Yay, dingoes. If you, uh, if you listen to Unsheathed Presents, was that number one? Yes. I think that was number one. I if you listen to Unsheathed Presents number one, the bar at the beginning where Cam Hirosaki is drinking his punch is meant to be the bar in the Rainforest Hotel at the Marriott, and the punch is supposed to be the rain city punch yes with real hints of salmon <laughs> oh that would just be so gross i mean i like seafood and all but still ah. the real oh. taste of the pacific northwest <laughs> <laughs> salmon and pine oh. well Ugh. let's uh let, let's go from interest in drink concoctions which is really more kits purview and uh We've selected some questions today focusing on mechanics, because we haven't done a mechanics episode in a while, and we're going to talk about punctuation and grammar and other stuff like that. So why don't you start off with a letter from one of our regular listeners and writers in. Yes. Let's see if I know we can guess who it is before we get to the end of the email. So, Dear Sheathers, which I like that as an appellation. I like that, too. Sounds like a sports team. We'll have to get on Buck Hopper. The San Jose Sheathers? Yeah. I'll <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see if we can get uh, B-Hop to maybe sell us a franchise. My brain just went places. Over the years I've been writing, I've found myself more and more sensitive to the misuse of the English language in casual conversation online. I can't quite claim that I've officially joined the ranks of the grammar Nazis, but I can definitely say that I've called out the more egregious offenders on more than one occasion. With that said, I find the art of writing has taken me past the hard and fast rules of the language. Instead, my author's voice finds itself commonly creating prose that I believe flows well, but in doing so, flaunts more than a few of the same rules I claim to champion in the common parlance. Is this hypocrisy? How can I attempt to enforce rules that I personally flaunt for the sake of convenience in my own writing? It isn't just my work, either. Since noticing the shift in my writing style, I've examined my inspirations, Vonnegut, Pratchett, and Gaiman among them, and found that their writing is just as littered with grammatical inconsistencies, places where the laws of English were sacrificed upon the shrine of ease of readability. Do you, find yourself, do you guys find yourselves falling into the same trap? This is from Candrel, Blowjob Disbeliever. I've never heard of someone being able to disbelieve a blowjob. Why would you want to? Well, there's that too. I think it's an interesting question that he has because there's a there's a saying that says, you know, rules are made to be broken, mm -hmm. but also you have to learn the rules before you break them. Mm -hmm. And I think the distinction that he's looking for is when he's writing or when Vonnegut's writing, um, or when Faulkner's writing. Yeah. See, Condor, we mentioned you in the same sentence with Vonnegut and Faulkner. Um, they and blowjobs. <laughs> and blowjobs. They are... Uh, they're aware of the rules they're breaking, and they're doing it specifically to create an effect. Right. 
uh, the people that are doing it online in casual conversation, I would venture to say are simply... They're doing it either out of ignorance or laziness. Exactly. Yeah. Um, not Not for stylistic literary need. I generally try to keep my stories pretty grammatically correct. Yeah. It's not... There's times when the grammatical construction feels awkward and clunky. Yeah. There are also rules that we were kind of brought up with, like never end our sentence with a preposition. Which is BS. Which is... A lot of the time it's BS. A lot of the time BS. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing where it's it, rather than being a hard and fast rule... I use it as some as a guideline where if I end a sentence with a preposition, I just stop and think, is this the best way to write this, or am I being lazy, or yeah. am I being colloquial? Like a lot of times, if it's going to end, you know, with a preposition, in my case, it'll be something like of or to, right? Not not like you know the otter that the wolf was given the blowjob to. Yeah, you just did great. You just gave an example, exemplary example of a relative clause. Which the grammatical construction would be, the otter to whom the wolf was given a blowjob. Which sounds way too formal for porn. Well, a little too formal. I actually had a friend compliment me once and say I'm one of, that I was one of the few people who could make grammatical construction sound natural in casual conversation. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was a compliment or not, but I appreciated it. Wow, that's like a really nerdy pickup line. <laughs> I just want to let you know the way you use proper grammatical constructions in casual conversation sounds really natural. If you ever seen Dave Barry in Cyberspace, the very end is at the very last chapter is a fictional story about a housewife who meets a guy online, and she meets the guy online through an AOL chat room that she creates called Can Actually Spell. <laughs> and they start chatting and flirting by like the fact that they both can use proper English on in you know AOL chats. You have that little remark in uh, one of the chapters of Bridges where one of the characters is like bitterly noting that this other person like never makes typos even while they're type fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that amused me. It's like, how do they do that? Damn it. <laughs> I was kind of curious. I'm so we, we haven't talked much about our activities online, but if you were involved in a intense role-playing session do you mm -hmm. edit yourself uh to an extent but uh i don't wallow over it i think that once it's coherent i just sort of look at it. it's like did i use the same word like four times in the same thing and which is another that? thing that was actually in that chapter oh that's right it was <laughs> <laughs> she's like he used the same word twice he must be kind of getting into it i mean <laughs> It's sort of on-the-fly writing, and I try to make it, you know, pleasing to read, but I think that I'm adhering more to the matter at hand than trying to be super creative right? much of the time. Right. Yeah, and I'd go along with that. Um, I think I, I, get, I get kind of sensitive to, like, being repetitive in either within posts or, you know, across them. If you if you end up kind of doing the same thing over and over again, that feels clunky. Yeah. Which, so, I mean, I think that my own sense of what I find textually sensual prevents me from doing that. 
a lot. I don't yeah. want to bore myself with my own half of what's effectively interactive porn. <laughs> well, that's true. And, and and that's kind of funny how that relates to actual writing because, you know, when you're writing, you don't want to be boring yourself either. Exactly. But that's kind of getting off topic from what Condrell was asking. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that you had your good point about, you know, you need to know the rules to break them and that there are some rules that don't really, you know, necessarily have as much, you know, stringent adherence that, you know, we're sort of brought up saying that they have to. Like, splitting infinitives. Right. I'm sorry. That that one is BS. You can split infinitive just fine. Right. I think, I mean, the, the prescription against that was more like cramming all kinds of words in there in between the two and the verb. Well, it, the one they always say is like, oh, like, to boldly go. Like, that's right. grammatically incorrect. It's like, bullshit. Everyone knows what to boldly go means. There's not a native English speaker who doesn't understand that perfectly. Right. And, yeah. I mean, it's not so much that it's not grammatically correct. It's that the, the alternative is awkward and clunky. To go boldly where no one... Yeah, know, that like, sounds eh. weird. It just, yeah, it don't sound right, so... Well, and the way that, like, you know, grammatical prescriptivists has always said, it's like, oh, it's like, well, you can't split the infinitive in Latin. It's like, well, yeah, but you can't split the infinitive in Latin because right. it's all it's one, one word. word. Exactly. And so it's like, ah, oh, that drives me nuts. Also, um, English isn't Latin. <laughs> in case you didn't notice. Uh, so, Kit has a suggestion for our listeners. Oh, yeah? To write in. Tell us whether you think it's important to be grammatically correct during intense sexual role play or even not intense even casual sexual role play which is sometimes just as fun depending on how busy you are <laughs> um so write in and let us know we will uh we'll read out some of the results please do of not, what you're saying we're yeah, not gonna read was, your role like, plays please, out please do not feel obliged to send us examples um although scritchy fox 872 mers as you <laughs> That was, you know, back back in the day, um, when I was a young fox. That was the the amusing thing that we always used to talk about was, you know, everyone had had at least one of those sessions where you would sit there and craft this kind of elaborate long post and detailed and posing and all this stuff, and you'd get back in reply, Scritchy Fox seventy two Mers. Uh, I've had that happen. I have had that happen. Yeah. I will say, actually, here's my little bit. There, there was at least this one person that uh, I had done things with more than once, and their posts would always be like riddled with typos and like you know, like you know, obviously like hastily put in like spaces that like didn't quite line up between words and whatnot. But you could re- you could understand what they were, and you would get back like this like four-line, five-line response in, like, 30 seconds after you sent yours. It was just, like, bam. It was, like, super fast. And I actually really appreciated that. Because the, the, I tend to only be online late at night. And when it's starting to get around, like, 2 in the morning, it's like, oh, my God, can you hurry up? I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> so, for you listeners, if you want to catch KM Hirosaki... <laughs> you won't. Because uh, <laughs> I'm not telling you where I roleplay, and it's not under KM Hirosaki. <laughs> Apparently, you need to dangle a big buff white wolf in front of him, and uh, at about one. Or if in the you morning. can dangle a big buff white wolf, let me know. Um, God, there was something else I was going to say about that, and I can't remember it now. Anyway, uh, 
cute. Well, if I remember, we'll mention it as we move along. Next letter. Hey there, Riders 3. Yes, you too, Kit. Uh, this, by the way, is probably the first letter we've got that actually qualifies as a wall of text, so thank you to our listener who sent this one in. As I've commented on your FA previously, I'm not an accomplished writer. I'm a musician through and through, yet I believe my grounding is solid enough that I won't induce delivery of bleach to the eyes following a reading of any story introduction or email I produce. I apologize in advance if I do, and humbly request a verbal lashing if you spot any serious grammatical flaws in this email, aside from the nested brackets. Even though writing is not my raison d'etre, I still enjoy composing short stories here and there, but I'm always stopped short for a few reasons. I figured I should ask you guys for help so that I don't get halted because of small issues again. Thanks in advance for any help, and also just for taking the time to read this email. My first issue crops up in terms of plot. I'm bad at choosing a good moment in time to begin stories. I was taught to choose an event, create a timeline of the events leading up to and following the event, and finally pick a single point in the timeline and make that the basis of the story, thus knowing the past in case narrative requires background information as well as what to imply for the future. Unfortunately, my choices never seem to end well. It's actually probably not a bad thing for a story. What do you guys think makes a good start for a short story? I.e. given a choice between, to use a not-so-random example... Uh, I'm skipping some of his nested brackets here. An SUV breaking down in the desert, the driver then attempting to reach the town he left from, and finally, on the brink of death, the aforementioned driver finding a mysterious lever. Where would you begin? And if it won't take too long to answer, why? Um, there's. I'm trying to see if there's other questions in there, and I'm not sure there's many other questions. So we'll. I'll read the rest of this email, but we'll keep this one in mind. Sure. Where to start a plot? Um, another reason is my workload. School for me is quite intensive, leaving me very little time or inclination to write anything. This leaves me with pretty much no ability to learn from my mistakes, as I never get to the point of making them, just writing speeches and essays to satirize the syllabus. I figure I can get past that in the short term just by reading about technique, though. I think this has been asked before, so I apologize if this is a repeat question. Do you guys have any preferred books or resources on technique specific to either short story composition, characterization, or world creation? Finally, one grammatical quandary has always held me back. When using interrupt and modifiers, I tend to suffix the closing dash with a comma, which may or may not be an issue. Should I treat the nested sentence as completely unrelated, and thus only use a comma afterwards if the interrupted sentence requires it, or add the comma as a general rule to make sure people actually pause? I have heard too many people recite as if there was no interruption. I know I have covered both cases in this email. The introductory paragraph has the one other instance, but I'm honestly not sure if one or the other or a completely different method is the best way to go about employing that technique. Aside from that, I thought I should make a quick suggestion to any public speakers. When you're writing a speech, always remember four things. You're not writing an essay, so make sure your speech has a logical flow to it and does not reference earlier parts of itself. Repeat points if necessary. People can only concentrate for so long. Make your points and your sentences short and concise or their minds will drift. Involve your audience. If you have never tried this, you will be amazed at just how much more effectively your message is delivered, even if you just include a rhetorical question here and there. The rule of three is your friend. I had to sit through a speech from Raymond Gaeta some time ago, and he tried to make one point in more than 15 comma-delimited sentences, and then reference the original point rather than repeating it. I stopped counting after 15, and I'm not sure anyone understood what he was on about. To wrap up, I really appreciate any input from you guys. I may not be a dedicated writer, but I enjoy listening regardless. 
Music podcasts, Notcast, and Unsheathed are what keep me sane when I'm not working or jamming. So thanks for keeping it up, and I hope the podcast continues to thrive. Kind regards from your musical listener down south, Cluffy. P.S. The story I took these not-so-random events from is only 23 pages and has an ending which I hope will leave you both amused. It's up on Scribdy if you have time. P.P.S. I felt this email needed to feature a semicolon, but I do not want to rewrite any large chunk of this email, so here you go. And he attaches a semicolon. But he does actually have a semicolon up in the body of his email. He does. Where he says, include a rhetorical question here and there, semicolon. Um, so... I'm going to go backwards because the last two questions were actually shorter than the first one. Right. The uh, the proper technique for interrupted modifiers is M dash. Yes. Interruption M dash. Yep. No closing comma. Even if you feel, even if it was in a positive which was interrupted, you use the M dash instead of the comma. Yeah. As soon as you have that, you know, nested sentence, it's just, you know, you have it buff it on either side by the M dash and you come out of the M dash and go right into a letter. Generally speaking, unless you're dealing with quotation marks, you don't double up punctuation upon punctuation. Right. And punctuation marks are kind of weird, but we won't go into that. Yeah. Um, any preferred books or resources specifically on short story composition, characterization, or world creation? There's one by a science fiction writer that I'm trying Does to recall. Not it down for me. <laughs> that dealt, yeah, the, that um, there's one by a science fiction writer that I, I can't recall which one it was. Oh, it's starting to ring a bell, and I can't find it. But anyway, if we find one, we'll post it with the show notes. But I can't think of any offhand. Um, characterization, just about any writing guide will have a yeah. good thing on building characters. In fact, there are probably books just about that. Yeah, I want to say, I want to say I have one, but you know, most of the time, what happens with writing guides? I we always go back to Stephen King's on writing. Yeah, that one is going to give you a lot of good advice on characters and on world building, and and just just general things to writing. think about while you're writing. Yeah, right. And it also talks about his career. So go out and pick up Stephen King's on writing. It's half memoir, half writing guide, and it's all fascinating stuff. Yeah, you will not regret reading it one way or the other. Uh, so his first question, what makes a good start for a short story? You know, I my basic rule of thumb is to start where things become important. Right. That's sort of my just general basis is, you know, you know, there's you want to do things like you know, okay you want to build tension you want to like build suspense and whatnot but you don't want to begin a story in the middle of nothing happening and then have nothing continue to happen until you get to like you know where the good part is start at the good part and you know if you need to fill in backstory after that point go ahead and do that along the way as that becomes important within generally for for short story and again this is one of those rules like we were like grammatical rules we were telling Condrell about. It's one of those rules that you can break from time to time. But generally for a short story, a good way to start is within the first page and preferably within the first couple paragraphs, introduce your main character and tell the audience what he wants and, if possible, why he can't get it or she. Yeah. Um, Because a character that wants something builds tension with the audience are they going to get it are they not going to get it and if you introduce the obstacle 
I mean, generally, any short story is boiled down to character wants something, is prevented by an obstacle, and has to do X to get around the obstacle. Yeah. And so, the sooner you give the audience what the story is going to be about, the sooner you have them hooked. If you start out with, um, and a lot of stories, a lot of stories I see by um, beginning writers start out with, uh, Joe was going to school and it was a regular school day and he was kind of bored and he was you know, holding his books under his arm and then, you yeah, know, but then like, suddenly mm-hmm. something happened to him. It's like, start with something happening. Start with, yeah. either start with something happening and make Joe a more motivated character, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I've lost track of how many stories I've read that start with, like, somebody waking up and then, like, you know, getting ready for stuff. You have the stop off at the mirror so you know what they look like. Right. And then it's like, and then they go through, like, their day, which just like every other day, you get to see their routines. Like, we don't care about their daily routine. We care about what's special. Start with that. Um. Yep. So, for your example, I would say... Uh, he had the SUV breaking down in the desert, the driver then attempting to reach the town he left from, and finally on the brink of death, finding a mysterious lever. Um, I would start just after the breakdown. That's what I would do too, yeah. Um, and then, you know, put more and more obstacles in his way as, you know, first he thinks he can hitch a ride and he'll walk until then. And I don't know, I'm not going to write the story for you, but that's where I would start. That's what I would do because that's a incident and because so that's the answers to your questions and now we have a question for you cluffy folly um you have given us an email for the or uh, i'm sorry you've given us a url for the story and uh we will put that up in the show notes but uh write in and let us know if any of your music's online we would love to hear it let's move on shall okay. we to the unsheathed group I've been listening to your podcast for a while, though I don't write. It is still very much entertaining. Even if this has been said many times from others, I'll continue the ego stroke. These questions are for Kit. Since I know a few people who want to do their own podcast, I remember when it was mentioned when you, uh, depending on the one reading, which is me, <laughs> started helping out the quality sound improved immensely, which is true. Once, once he became our sound guy, we, we got a lot better. What programs are you using for the voice recording? If more than one program is used, which is used for everyone in the same room and when for participants are using Skype or some other method when distance? What equipment, if it's anything special, is used to help get the quality? What editing programs do you use? As a minor note, since this doesn't relate to the podcast much, uh, doesn't need to be read on the podcast, but he looks forward to listening to more for you all. Thank you. And it looks like uh, Gialith is how the name is pronounced. Uh, she says soft G in the postscript there. Geoleaf. Which is because it says like karate when uh, it's a karate key. But it says soft G. Well, then they're pronouncing the word gi wrong. In karate. <laughs> As it comes to karate. <laughs> Trust me, I know how to speak Japanese. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we decided to read this on the podcast anyway because we, we've been getting a couple questions from people who wanted to do their own and, um, it's not specifically related to writing, but it is related to expression. And um, Kit was happy to volunteer his time and expertise to answer it on the podcast when I told him he was going to. Hi, so. everybody. Hi, Kit. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Kit. Mm. Hi, Kyle. 
Hi, KM Harasaki. I'm going to leave the room now. <laughs> um, so, uh, if I recalled all the questions, um, we actually embarrassingly kind of started with Final Track. I'm sorry, uh, Final Cut Pro as our software package on a Macintosh, uh, just from our film background, um, which we are most familiar with, and we are able to do the audio editing as needed. Um, thanks to the help of the uh, NotCast crew, as well as some feedback from uh, B-Hop, who was really helpful. Um, shout out to B-Hop. Um, Yay, B-Hop. We moved on to Soundtrack Pro and um, have been using that for the last couple episodes. Um, otherwise, we just have uh, a couple mic stands, a couple you know decent quality mics. We use what, a, uh, uh, what kind of mics are we using? They are AKG D5s. Yeah, they seem to work pretty good. Yeah, we like them. They look, uh, and and <laughs> K- KM Hirosaki's has a nice, pretty sheath. His is, uh, it's got a fuzzy sheath. His on is it. sheathed, and it is, uh, difficult to keep him mic'd correctly. <laughs> because he keeps pawing at his sheath. I know, stop pawing at your sheath. <laughs> he looks so cute when he does his otter yes, thing. He'll, like, have his paws up, and he'll be, like, playing with his sheath like it's a little oyster on his chest. Cam, what are some noises otters could make when playing with their sheets? <laughs> um, What's the noise being flustered makes? I, I think we have that captured in one of the episodes. I'll uh, extract that as a sound bite. That's probably on She uh, Presents number four, actually. Um, and then we use a, a, a Korg D888 as our uh, mixer hard drive capturing device, which uh, is a bit untraditional talking to some of the other people. A lot of people go directly into the computer, but this seems to work pretty well f- with us uh, for us. So sticking with it for now. Yeah, the ones that the ones that I've seen, most people have like a little mixing board, and it goes right into the computer, and they record on their computers. Yep. Um, the nice thing about that board is it's independent of computers. So we can just take the board wherever and record the programs onto that, and we don't need the whole computer setups because we have varieties of different laptops around, and the laptops all serve multiple other purposes. We don't have a dedicated podcast and laptop. Yep, it's nice, and it has a eight input too. So um, for some of our larger shows, it's nice to have that many inputs. <laughs> Assuming we can borrow the mics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have four mics at this point, uh, I think. And um, all this equipment we pretty much have purchased ourselves to help with the podcast, and um, we sell the the DVDs at conventions. So if you buy them, that goes to help us buy better equipment and do more stuff. Even, we, even cooler shows. Do even cooler shows, yes. Um, and for Skyping, actually, that was definitely B-Hop that kind of showed us the trick to that. Uh, we just have a uh, – I think you use your laptop. We Skype somebody in. We have a couple yep. – uh, um, minis going to our uh, XLR, and we managed to make it work. <laughs> Kyle's gesturing at me because I'm over here fidgeting, which I never on the microphone that often. So I'm he's always to, uh, he's always the one that gestures at me and Cam to stop fidgeting and making little noises, and he's over there tapping his paws on the floor. And, um, <laughs> thank and, you, Kyle, and, and facing away from the microphone too. That's because I'm looking at you. I didn't place the microphone. I can't help but look at you. You're so waggy, foxy. Aw. Okay, and uh, I think that was everything. So that's your uh, moment of tech. I believe that was it. Thank you, Kit. Um, see, we talk about mechanics in a in a very literal sense, also.
Um, okay, last, well, almost last email. Hi there, guys. Today I just ran across an interesting article on second-level punctuation marks, or in simpler terms, not-so-common or relatively unused punctuation marks, or as I would call them, not correct punctuation marks, but <laughs> um, but they are cute. They are. Uh, these include marks such as irony, which looks like a backwards question mark, or in terabang, a question mark and exclamation point put together, and other proposed ones such as a doubt point, which looks like a kind of a question, question mark, mark, that mark got drunk. question mark made out of a bent coat hanger, <laughs> an authority point, which looks like a airplane flying out of a period, <laughs> uh, an indignation point, which is actually the upside down exclamation point used in Spanish to begin sentences and end with an exclamation point. And probably my favorite, a love point, which looks like a little heart, uh, or two question marks, Mayton. Um, my question to you is, if these punctuation marks were more common and more acceptable to use in literature, would you find yourself using them, and or would you find them effective to use? Thanks for your time, and I apologize if this point, sorry for the pun, has already been brought up in previous episodes, as I would not know due to being about 30 episodes behind. Love the show, love point. Spouts. First of all, yeah, a loving Boston accent. First of all, I love the name Spouts. Spots. It's not Spats. Well, no, but, spots. It, would, but it wouldn't be. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> um. So we will. We will. Um. We'll attempt to put the pictures online if we can. They're a little graphic, so we should be able to figure out how to do that somehow. We we'll use our, all of our tech savviness. Honestly, uh, I remember the Interabang. That's the only one of those that I'd heard of. Yeah, I've seen that one. But I'm not sure where you'd actually use the other ones. Yeah. And the question sort of like, hey, if these were in common use, would you use them? It's like, well, if they were in common use, then it wouldn't yes. be a question to ask. Right. It, I mean, yeah. yeah, if they were in it's, common use, then yeah, we would. Yeah. But they're not, so we don't. <laughs> I mean, although I will say... You know, exclamation points are in common use and acceptable, but generally in narrative prose, you don't use exclamation points in your narrative in your narration. Right. You use exclamation points in dialogue. Um, exclamation points should really you shouldn't put them in your narration at all. So it's kind of a fair question, but uh, I don't know. I'm not sure there's. I mean, you know, the languages have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, yeah. and we tend to invent, I'm trying to think of punctuation that's been invented recently. The only thing I can think of where there was a need to change punctuation rules, which I still have not gotten a real acceptable answer to, is if you are writing a URL in a sentence, like you're saying, my work is up at com. Right. Do you end that with a period? Because then it's com dot. Right. And do people... I know people who put a space between the end of the URL and the period to make it clear that it's not... Part of the URL. Part of the URL. I know people who just put it right up against the URL and figure, you know, you understand that a period's at the end of a sentence and that's not part of a URL. Right. Um, 
what I usually try to do is reconfigure my sentence so it doesn't end with the URL, but that doesn't solve the problem. It just kind of displaces Avoids it. Avoids it, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Again, I'm, we're, we're going to ask a lot of questions of our listeners, but what do you guys do when you have to end a sentence with a URL? Do you just, uh, the other technique I've seen is just don't put any punctuation at the end of the sentence and abandon the paragraph and move on to the next one. <laughs> jump, jump, jump. Abandon jump. paragraph. Abandon paragraph. Like, like foosballs off a sinking paragraph. <laughs> I like that. We have made our own little. Give him a little eep squeep shout out. <laughs> eep squeep, motherfucker. But yeah, apart from that, um, I don't know if uh, spouts. If you want to write in and let us know how, where you think these things would be used, I think people kind of invent them. I, I could be I could be a little bit mean and say people invent them as shortcuts to convey things that they're they haven't been able to adequately adequately convey in their prose. I mean that's the whole deal between behind not using exclamation points in narration is right. you know your prose should convey immediacy, suspense, shock, terror, whatever. Yeah. I'm thinking of like, you know, like, oh, like the authority point or it's like, well, you know, if somebody is saying something authoritatively, like, you know, that should be part of like their body language and what you're right. saying, you know, then you do not need to say he said authoritatively. Well, that, and that's a whole other issue. Yes. But yeah, actually, that's a real good analogy. These are kind of like adverb, adverbial dialogue tags. Yeah. Which I could see maybe using them once in a while, but. Anyway. Colon, capital D. <laughs> capital D, colon. Uh, but let's go ahead and read the last one. That's okay. a very short one. I'm looking at this. It's, there needs to be a word. I was thinking recasting the role. Same part, different actor. That's from Trendane. And that's in reference to last episode where we were talking about the person who changed the species as he was reading them. Oh, okay. I was like, going to be like, Trending, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what this means. Um, he's not that context light. Uh, but, I know uh, some people who are. <laughs> I know we both do. Um, I, I, I kind of like recasting. Uh, I was thinking about something more specifically trying to get something more specifically furry in there, but recasting kind of works. That's all. Thank you for writing in. I like that. The part of Dustin Hoffman in Randall's cartoon dream will be portrayed by Al Pacino. <laughs> um, but thank you for writing in. That was the only one we got. Uh, other people are free to write in their own suggestions if they have them. Oh, yeah, we don't... Um, Pyro actually wrote in. We didn't print his. We didn't uh, read his email this week, but he wrote in kind of um, a, a weirdly non-committal email about thanks for all the names. I'm going to have to think about it, and but then he signed it Piero Wolf. So huh. I don't know if that means he chose one or if he was just kind of trying it out. Like, huh. but he's apparently making progress on his story that he's doing for us with the black rat that is not foosball in the lube with bacon in it or whatever that was bacon lube <laughs> i made it myself <laughs> everything's better with bacon sorry that was for kit all right well if you missed the email address to write in that's because we haven't said it yet this episode that's huh. right we it's haven't unsheathed podcast at gmail.com 
Uh, you can follow us on Unsheathed at FA, where the, apparently, according to Hirosaki-san, the picture associated with his story, contributed by the wonderful and talented Zausch, yes. uh, now has more favorites than our podcast has followers. Yes, it does. So, all you people who faved the picture, uh, I've just realized it's kind of silly to tell them, come listen to our podcast on the podcast, because if... Um, they're hearing it, then they're already listening. I would say, dear friends who pass around links to porn, tell your friends to listen to our podcast. Right. There you go. Listen to our podcast. And uh, We talk about porn sometimes. We do. And we make casual blowjob references to illustrate grammatical points. Yes, and sometimes we make references to casual blowjobs. Sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes we make... Never mind. Uh, serious blowjob is serious. <laughs> <laughs> and um, let's see, if you want to look up my work, I am Kyle on FA. I am Kyle Gold on Live Journal, and I'm Kyle Gold on Twitter. And I'm just Cam Hirasaki on all three. And Kit is Kit Silver on Twitter. You can find him there, or you can email him at kit at kylegold.com. And uh, thank you guys for sticking with us for 40 episodes. Spots, you've got a little while to catch up because we're going to keep doing this. So, Does this mean our, our uh, podcast has hit its midlife crisis? I don't know. I don't know what the life for a podcast is. I don't feel like we've had a midlife crisis. No, neither do I. We're teenagers. Oh, so we'd had a, we'd had a suggestion. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Uh, Kit's all ready to end the podcast, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Um, Don't pull out yet. <laughs> almost finished. Almost. Um, but uh, Kit, Kit's usually better at predicting when I'm yeah. about to be finished. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so we'd had, we'd had a suggestion from a listener about doing some editing like providing before and afters and we were kind of thinking that um rather than put some of our own stuff in if listeners wanted to send in examples of something a, a paragraph or two that they'd written that it might be easier for us to then go through them and then do a show where we just sort of dissect one paragraph right and edit it i want to stress that we're saying like a paragraph or two at most. Right. We are not going to edit a story for you. It's a and, saying. <laughs> and we, while we appreciate everybody who sends things in, we will likely pick a paragraph that we feel offers a lot of opportunities for illustration and editing. And so that we will probably only pick one or two. Right. And we will not necessarily pick the best and we will not necessarily pick the worst. We will just pick one that we think we can spend half an hour talking about. And if we don't pick yours, the idea of the exercise is that hopefully, if we do our jobs, the editing advice that we give regarding the paragraphs that we do use will be useful for your own editing. Exactly. So, um, our last shout, call out to the listeners is, if you have a few paragraphs that you don't mind a couple of uh, fox and otter digging into with their claws, um, and we emphasize, send in only if you're thick-skinned, because we're going to tear things to pieces, uh, send it on over. And um, in the subject line, put editing sample. Yes. And that way we can sort it out. 
And with that, kid is glaring at me to finish up. So I will sign off saying I am Kyle Gold. I am Cam Hirasaki. And uh, we are unsheathed. Happy, good night and happy writing.